Hello and welcome, I'm Alexander. We are Needy in Tech, covering the latest from the IT industry with a specific focus on Microsoft and how to get actual value from technology. This is episode 163, recorded on October the 21st, 2021. You will be able to find this and our previous episodes on needypintech.com, iTunes, Spotify, and on most podcasting platforms. This is an episode recorded a while ago, and this is an interview with Blythe Morrow. Enjoy. Hi, Blythe, and welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. So we could spend more than an hour talking about our mm. shared interest being Star Trek. And yes, I do swing both ways. I do both Star Trek and Star Wars. Suck it up. But I'm kind of thinking that you're not entirely here for Star Trek, even though I'd like to to kind of touch on that a bit. So why are you here? Why, what do you do? Who are you? Spill the beans. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, yes, I am a true Trekkie and I will, you know, we could do an entire podcast on my love of the next generation um, and everything that came after it. But my day job is also really interesting. So I am the founder and managing director of PaperSword B2B. We're a marketing agency, and we, but we only work in the data platform. So most of my clients, if not all of them at a given time, are all working with SQL Server, whether they're developing applications for folks who use SQL or whether they're um, consulting agencies and service corps who are helping DBAs inside of their organizations. And so I have this really cool job because I have a passion for SQL and I love watching the product unfold and seeing what it can do. And then I spend my day talking to subject matter experts about how they're applying the software inside of their um, if they're given roles and they're given industries. I'm a marketing strategist. And so my job is to talk to them and then tell those stories for their clients and their potential clients. And so I'm here to kind of talk to you about the DBA experience that I know of and how we tell the stories of what we do as data professionals. And I, I need to just ask the obvious question. How on earth do you combine I mean, how, how do you get started with marketing? I'm kind of getting the feeling that you, were, you weren't into marketing from the get-go. So I've been a writer my entire life. Ever since I was little, I knew that I wanted to do that. I, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do with it. Just like a lot of TBAs don't, don't start there, right? We never really, nobody starts in SQL. No, no nobody, you, nobody wants to become a DBA. <laughs> Right. The accidental DBA is like a trope that everybody really knows about. And it's the same in marketing. Nobody goes into marketing thinking I'm going to do DBA service marketing. But when I was right out of college or university, I got picked up by the Professional Association for SQL Server. I was really interested in online communities at the time. I wanted to understand how communities were forming in a digital space and how they were relating to each other and supporting each other and collaborating around given topics. And so when PASS picked me up, my job was to work with lo the local Microsoft offices, identify small communities of folks around 
who were like who were participating in SQL Server and then build chapters. And so we built physical chapters that then facilitated a larger digital community space. And I spent a couple of years doing that. And I just, I, I got access to MVPs. I got access to all of these high level tech folks who were doing this cool stuff. And um, I fell in love and I was interested in the tech. And I took a couple courses, wrote my first stored procedure, thought it wasn't awful. And then went from there, and here I am. Fast forward. That is so cool because one of the biggest issues that I find with marketing and tech is that most of the time, the marketing folks, they can't spell tech. And you've Mm. carved out a niche for yourself, and you've done very, very well. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I... really believe that marketing people need to need to understand what they're marketing and and not just the product but the people that they're marketing to because the the folks in the data platform you know we hear a lot about bi power bi machine learning all of those pieces right because they're so close to the business and the way the business makes decisions. But when you back it down into the, it, like into the data stack, the, the work that DBAs are able to do is just remarkable. And so my job <clears throat> as the strategist is to talk to those DBAs and try to like ask the right questions about what the business wants, what the problem the business was solving, and then how the DBA and the and the data helped um, move the business forward. And so I've become this storyteller and I like know the questions to kind of like extract the right information and then put it in the right sequence of events to be able to tell that story. And I know DBAs really struggle to do that. Not all, but some of them. And so that's, that's how I've been able to build a career. Because mm-hmm. I was kind of getting up to that. Um, Tech is just a tool is one thing that I, I keep harking on about. And DBAs are generally fairly far down the technical rabbit hole, which means that the distance between your garden variety DBA and management or or the business, if you will, tends to be pretty, pretty long. So yeah. coming from a marketing perspective, you know data. Do you find that most DBAs have really thought about what makes a good story and, and how you turn their data into a, a story. Now that that's your job, but have you thought about their view on, on things in that case? Yeah. So I really believe that the most successful DBAs understand their role and how they help their customer um, uh, adopt and become successful on the data platform. And so when you when you understand that and when you can put your role in context to the you know the business's goals and the problems that they face you end up negotiating and problem solving at a level that i think the dba really should be elevated to um and those skills of being able to tell a good tell a good story use your authority your and your domain expertise in the data, as well as the empathy that it takes to help other people understand 
that their their problems and the things that they are facing are real and that you can help them, those skills are as important as pitching and coding in T-SQL, right? We're at that point in, in, in most modern organizations where DBAs need to play a bigger role. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's not just the DBAs. Everybody needs to be able to, to train people to explain why is this important for the business? Because again, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if we have SQL Server or Oracle, God forbid, or whatever. We just, <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. Yeah, we, we have a business problem that we need to solve. Because mm-hmm. we need to make sure that the business is is running smoothly, and yeah, everything is just tech. So, I, I I also think that this is not something you can start with in in your junior career. You start with your head down in in the ground pretty much, and then you work your way upwards. So, where do you start, and where do you come in when you are hired to to do a marketing something for a technical company? I'm going to answer the first part of because because there's two answers to that question. So the first part of what, you know, you're a junior DBA, you've got your head down, you're honing your skills, right? But you've got to know that to to be really effective in your job, you just cannot sit in your cube and optimize T-SQL all day anymore. And so as you're pulled into meetings, and as you're getting access to the folks that, you know, the business units, and the, you know, the leaders who are driving the organization, you need to learn what they're struggling with. Because um, for larger organizations, it's not just like one business goal, right? Every single unit, whether it's marketing or finance or supply chain or um, operations, they all, they're all struggling and they're all struggling with data right? And making those data-driven decisions and finding those those leading indicators of whether what they're doing is working and how they can make things more efficient, scalable, and, you know, how to find better performance. And so when you sit at the table and you're listening, look for a couple of cues. Figure out what that person wants. What do they want in their role? Right? Why are you there? What do they even want? And then what's getting in the way? What is the conflict? What is the problem that's stopping them from getting what they want? So I work, you know, I'm a marketing person. So let's say you're meeting with a, like a marketing director and she's she is struggling to um, with the website during the fourth quarter. She wants to hit her sales goal. That's what she wants but she's coming at you because her website is slow. So when you use empathy, right? When you when you say I know you want to hit your goals and I I'm, and I get that that is really important to you, my job is to help you and I have the expertise to do this. So let's get to work. You you have just demonstrated a level of organizational and professional maturity that I think a lot of business like business owners are looking for in their data staff. That would be my. Advice. Yes. And <laughs> my, my follow-up to that would be how common or how rare would you say this is in, in the data community? Where, where do we stand as, as data professionals on that business awareness scale? It's kind of a broad, 
brushstroke, but I think you get my 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 question. I think I think that once you're a senior DBA or an enterprise level data director, I think that those folks are understanding the problems and they're coming at they're they understanding the business problems, right? That's what they're paid to do. And then they manage the staff below them, right? But I think that we're really bad at understanding the want behind those problems. Um, and the moment you say, the moment you say, you know, I get that you want this and the problem you're experiencing as a result of that want is what we're going to fix today. That's when you become a real partner in the business. Um, so I, you know, there are a number of different ways that you can draw this out of folks. And, you know, and then there are a number of different ways as well, where, where if you come into a meeting and you have your own agenda and it's not about them and their wants, it's about you needing a budget for an upgrade, right? Or it's about you needing more resources so that your company can handle the migration, uh, the migration to Azure, right? There are ways that you can pitch those ideas and negotiate with the business using the exact same storytelling techniques that you would use when you're sitting in those meetings with, the, with you know, whomever you're sitting in them with. But that's where you get to practice, right? That's where you're practicing that. I get that you want this and that this problem is standing in your way and you're feeling this way about it. And we're going to figure it out. I'm going to help you figure it out. So I know for a fact that you're going to be doing a pre-con at yeah. the Past Data Summit. Are these some of the, the things that you're going to be covering in that pre-con? Yes. Yes. So my pre-con, it's full day, like I have people for a full day, which is really exciting. So I've split the day into four. And the first part of that day is going to be how to develop that problem solving mentality. So how and how to manage yourself when you're around other people and how to think about persuasion from it from like a, a story based approach. I'm going to give some templates, right, so that people can say, OK, when I'm going into a tough conversation or when I when I need to work with someone and I'm on one side and they're on the other side like how, how, how do I approach myself and how do I handle myself and then the second part of that morning is going to be the actual mechanics of pitching an idea um, understanding how to follow up at, at understanding how to satisfy both parties and like the power of that cooperative influence and in negotiation so we're going I'm basically going to teach people how to have a meeting and how to come out of that meeting, getting what, getting what you want and having the other person thank you for it. Okay. Um, and then in the afternoon, we're going to go through giving and receiving feedback, talking about body language, how to hold different concepts in tension. I find that tech folks, especially, they, it, things are either black or they're white right? You're either getting something 
right? Or losing something. You're either solving a problem or, or you know, or you can't work with these people. We're going to talk about that and we're going to, I'm going to break down the things that you can hold in tension and how that's healthy for an organization and try to like change a couple minds. We'll see how that goes. Um, and then that's going to get into the, into a conversation about empathy as well. And so these are like, quote unquote, soft skills that are not, they're not so soft, right? And I hate that term because you don't know how to do this stuff. How do you expect to get a promotion? How do you expect to negotiate a salary? How do you expect to even run your run a company or be a consultant, right? They're so fundamental to business today. And so, and I have a whole day. And so we're going to go, we're going to go through all of it. That sounds absolutely fantastic. Thank you. And is, is there any um, requirements to attend? I mean, do, do I need to be a an established business leader? Do I need to be a specialist in something? Or could I basically just walk in through the door? You can just walk in through the door. You should be able to speak and read and write in English, though. Because these are these are pretty advanced communication topics we're going to talk about. And so, so kind of having that, uh, having the baseline in the English language will be, you, you need it. Well, that, that's a top tip right there for anybody who listens to this. You should definitely check out that um, pre-con because, I mean, we've both been to the past summit a lot of times and there, there are so many fantastic sessions so, so many fantastic pre-cons what really got my attention with this one is that it is not your typical pre-con instead it is focusing on as you said soft skills which i also absolutely hate they are fundamental skills mm -hmm. everything at the end of the day is business skills soft skills hard skills whatever it is all about making the business more sustainable more more revenue whatever you're going to so yeah. and of course it turns out that, that at the end of the day it's all about people huh people 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 <laughs> yeah all businesses are made up of people all trying to achieve a common goal right whether you're you know hundreds of thousands of people or two or three and so yeah. you need to be able to work with people and i'm going to give you some i mean we're we're going to talk about some stuff but i'm really going to give concrete tools of how to have these conversations, how to get your projects funded, how to pitch your ideas to the business and how to negotiate when you need to. Mm -hmm. And I think this is also another reason to go to your pre-con because it is not uncommon to find these kind of soft skills pre-cons to be a bit fluffy. But here you come, and you've already promised so many concrete things. So yeah, drop whatever you have. Go visit Bud's um, precon. Just just do it, people. And this this kind of segues into the whole people discussion and Star Trek. Mm -hmm. And I mean, looking at Star Trek versus just about any other sci-fi um, series at the time. I mean, we were both into predominantly the the next gen stuff so what would you say that star trek next generation was about really for for you what it what it was for me so 
first and foremost, when I was growing up with Star Trek, the next generation, of course, um, it like in the late nineties, I loved it. Was, first of all, it was my, it was my first window into science fiction right? Dreaming about what the world could be and the, uh, the imagination it takes to, um, to conceptualize what the world will be like in 500 years or a thousand years. I thought, you know, as, as a young um, student of storytelling, that was, that was huge for me. But Star Trek really stands apart from most science fiction that you read nowadays because it has an optimistic view of the future, right? And that stands in contrast of most of the um, most of the large works of science fiction, and so, um, which is typically um, varying dystopian futures. And then that the dystopia that provides the writer, the storyteller, with a shortcut to conflict. Right. It's easier when the world is falling apart to put problems, wants and problems at the forefront of that story. It is harder. It's harder to do it when you um, when you're building a story in a world that is optimistic and utopian. And so each episode in this kind of like, I don't know, wagon train to the stars. Right. Meant that. The crew had to had to show up in a new place, and there was some kind of new scenario that challenged the crew or the characters from the outside in. The conflict never happened internally, which is another thing I loved about Star Trek, right? And so there was this external, almost philosophical problem that the crew had to solve every single episode. And to me, it just created this variety of storytelling that you really never get anywhere else. And that is why I will always say that if ever there is a Star Wars versus Star Trek kind of debate, I am always 100% on Star Trek because they they don't kind of fall victim to those shortcuts in the conflict. And so it's um, conceptually, it's it's much more entertaining. I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, and mm-hmm. the fact that I have a Star Wars tattoo... Uh, and I still agree. Yeah, I do. Uh, I have a, an imperial uh, cog on my my left shoulder. So for me, Star Trek was always about humanity and the the twists and turns and the the layers of humanity in a way that nothing. Well, maybe Babylon Five. Babylon Five has some aspects of Star Trek, but again, Star Trek was. And is it's it's definitely it's it's going to be an on its own thing, and it kind of created a segue in my head of humanity and the hope for the future. And let's jump to conferences and the community. Uh, the community for for me has in in many many ways turned my view of of everything from a slightly dystopian view to a much more positive view, just seeing all the fantastic things that people do for each other in the community. And you've planted yourself deeply in the community as well. Yeah, I I, I mean, I've been part of a technical community my entire career. And I've built my career 
And a lot of my business, the lion's share of Paper Swords business is based off of and supported by the, the SQL community. And so we do as much work as we can possibly do with the 10 of us to give back. Right. So we organize Group Buy, which is a free conference twice a year. I speak. Um, I'm speaking at Pass. I try to speak at as many SQL Saturdays as I can. And I mentor women who are trying to create seven figure businesses inside of um, inside of the data platform. Um, and, I, and I do that not through any kind of formal uh, formal program, but I just, you know, as soon as I hear that there is a woman who is creating a data platform community, I'm just like, how can I help? <laughs> what can I do? We'll get you there. <laughs> so I, I really believe that. I believe that one of the best things about this like technological revolution that we have experienced over the last 20 years, 25 years, has been that we now have, we have this ability to come together over way more than just like where we live at a given time, right? We can cross boundaries and cultures and languages and learn from each other and support each other. And, and I think that we have a responsibility to be a heck of a lot more, more intentional with how we do that. And we're, and we're starting to really ask those questions in the data platform community. And I know it's happening in other communities I've, I watched the uh, business application community with Dynamics and Microsoft, and I've been watching the InfoSec community, and they're asking questions about what we're going to do as a group of people from like all different cultures and how we're going to support each other through whatever the world is throwing at us, which is just has just been a little bit of an onslaught. So... Yeah, I guess we're kind of like Star Trek in that way, aren't we? <laughs> I, I like to think that. And at the same time as the world is becoming smaller, since it is so much easier to do things online, it is also becoming larger, simply because I get to meet new cultures. I get to meet new people, um, not only through the internet, but I also go into to conferences and such. Mm -hmm. So there's so, so many mm -hmm. opportunities. And Another thing that we were talking about before we started recording is your love for for a strategy and, and mm. games. And what I thought was, how does that apply to creating a business plan or creating a market plan, a marketing plan, and, and ex actually executing on creating and getting out, getting a message out there? Oh, that's such a great question. So, so I. I am. I have a very uh, like interesting brain. Uh, the things that I'm really good at thinking about, most of the people in my world, they 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 aren't. And the things I struggle with, most of the people in my world are like, "What do you mean you can't build a pivot table in Excel? Or what do you mean you can't think about these numbers in this way?" And so I'm I'm really fortunate that I have like a, a team of people. Like my entire leadership team at Paper Sword, and most of my friends in the data platform have been there for me as I have built this business and need to get very process orientated and numbers driven. But that's not how I, my like natural predilection is really to strategy and more conceptual thinking around messaging and product. And so I love games and I love American football, 
mostly, um, you know, soccer, any team-based sport, rugby, because I love watching a strategy unfold, right? I like, I like a chess is another really great game where you develop a strategy based on how, what you know about the other player, and then you execute that strategy and you have to be ready to change it. You have to be ready to move the ball or move whatever you've set out to react to the other, to the other team or the other player. Um, and so running a business is really no different. There is, there's a strategy that you have of what you're building, how you're building it, the timeline to build it, who you're building it for, and then how you're going to get what you're building in front of as many of those people as possible and get them to buy, right? There are a thousand different ways you can do that. There are traditional ways you can build and that you can um, distribute. And then there are non-traditional ways with it of how you create demand and how you build things. And the world is changing and the way we build things is changing. We went from waterfall to agile to now we're, now there's like this deep DevOps movement that's happening in how we create these technical products. And so business owners are forced to get creative. You are forced to be, um, to use your resources as wisely as possible. And then to get, gain the ground that you need faster than you ever had to, you know, 20 or 30 years before or ago. So I like those games because it forces you to get creative. The most creative entrepreneurs are the ones that figure out how to build something the fastest way possible and then how to get it to as many people as possible and how to tell a great story to hook people and like bring people into that journey, create raving fans and create communities around their products. And, you know, a, one of the, one of my favorite games that I like to play is Dungeons and Dragons. I play Dungeons and Dragons every week. Um, <laughs> Allie, you can't see Alexander's face right now, but he's very excited. <laughs> but that is such, I mean, if you ever have the opportunity to play D&D, highly recommend it because it forces you to be creative and it forces you to be collaborative with your teammates while you're being creative. Um, I'm about to step into a dungeon master role for my team at Paper Sword. They've been asking me for a while. So we're about to do an internal, like, what is a marketing team going to do um, when, you know, when they're what you know when they're like sorcerers and orcs that's going to be super fun so does that answer your question alexander <laughs> it, it, it does and it also <laughs> creates so many more questions because i yeah. had the absolute pleasure of mentoring kurt bueller um actually he's from canada uh but then he he's now living out in in belgium and um he has a phd in i think it's bioinformatics and now he's into data visualization and he's very good at it so he approached me, I think it was for Data Minds Connect last year, and asked me to uh, to mentor him. Um, and it was, um, let's say, a very dry session that he had created coming from academia. So we had a discussion about it, and he told me pretty much offhand that, yeah, he, he was doing um, D&D, and he was a, a dungeon master. And I said, okay, we need to turn this thing on its head. Fast forward. He ripped the whole thing apart and created the uh, antics of the of Clonk, the data goblin, and he created such a fantastic story 
like you would not believe. And that is bringing me to my next question. I've, I've always been a huge fan of storytelling. And being a trainer since 20 odd years, I find that stories are very, very good at helping people understand something. And whenever I step on stage, I am teaching in my view. It doesn't matter what I'm talking about, super technical or not, I am teaching and thus I'm using every available tool at my disposal to bring home a message. And here is where I've had some, not necessarily controversy with other technical speakers, but there's a lot of people who do not agree that this is the way to do technical speaking. There, There is little to no place for stories in their view. It's, it's technical. I know where I stand. I think I know where you stand. What's your take on how to create a, a good session or how to create a good story to do technical speaking? I'm, I'm kind of of two minds here because I see where they're coming from as well. Absolutely. Because sometimes you just have to slog through the relational database theory. Sometimes you just have to, you know, memorize your core, your core T-SQL and, uh, um, commands, and you, you just have to know how to structure a stored procedure. Sometimes you just got to know that stuff. And, and when you're teaching adults, it doesn't make sense to create an entire narrative about how important it is to use a semicolon. You're teaching, you know what I mean? And so we do that with, with children. We teach, we sing songs and teach stories about my, my daughter's in kindergarten and she's learning about the, the, the word the and how to spell the and how you use it. And so the teachers have a whole bunch of like songs and they make the into a little, like uh, a persona who has a problem, you know, and then it helps her internalize how to use that. I think when you're teaching adults, sometimes you just have to, you you just have to tell people that they need to know certain things. However, there is a time and place for a narrative. And when you're using, when you're trying to teach larger concepts, or you're trying to help people understand where different components fit in an overall kind of like data platform strategy for their organization, you're trying to illustrate how the data platform or how SQL Server is connected to different pieces in the stack, right? It makes sense to use story, not only as a way of helping people understand from a training perspective, but also to demonstrate your authority that you deserve to be there and that you can teach them what they need to know and that you've done this work before. And so that you know, you're you're basically um, demonstrating your authority as the guide that, that's going to help them learn something. And so there is a time and place. But, you know, if you spend your entire session, whether it's a keynote that's 60 minutes or a full day pre-con workshop, and all of it is just technical concept after technical concept, the human brain just can't, like, it, it, it can't retain that that um, that knowledge, it will check out, right? You need to use stories to keep the brain engaged, to keep the, and, and the more story loops you leave open, the more likely they are to not pay attention. So you need like one kind of concept or narrative that weaves through the entire 
60 minutes day, whatever, to keep them engaged. And I think that is absolutely key, open story loops. Mm -hmm. uh, have you read Getting Things Done? Or are no, you, never. Do you, okay, so it's, yeah. it's one of the, the um, penultimate um, productivity books, basically. Okay. And the, the basic premise, when, when you just boil the whole thing down, is if you leave an open loop in your mind, it will take up computational mm. power, basically. So that's why yeah. the key is to always, as soon as you have a thought, Put it on somewhere, paper, stone tablet, doesn't matter. As long as you know that you will come back to it, you're not going to forget it. And that mm. closes the loop in your head and lets your brain actually move on. Now, it's yeah. somewhat more complicated than that, but that's one of the things that I see with so many speakers that kind of do the, the whole, ooh, squirrel, and off they go to some tangent. And that is, mm -hmm. as you say, not conducive to, to good learning either. Well, I, I agree with you. I, I, to a point though, I think we have a lot of thoughts like rattling around in our head and I don't know if I need to, I don't know if I need all of them down. Some things take up space in my brain that have no, that just do not belong, do not deserve one more thought, except for the thought that, it, that, that just occurred. From a speaker, from a speaker development perspective though, if you are, if you're a new speaker and you're designing, you're designing your session and you know that when you get nervous, you kind of ramble a bit, which is like my Achilles heel and you might go off on a tangent. Having one kind of theme or thread, one, one core problem that you are going to solve with your audience, or you are going to help your audience solve and always being able to come back to that problem really helps focus your session, right? And so if your, if your session is, you know, top three T-SQL performance tuning hacks, right? Okay, and that's not super compelling because it's just a list of three. You need to bubble that up to what, what will these three things help me solve as somebody who's actually listening and who's actually spending my like their time to listen to you speak? And that's the narrative that ties all three of those components together. Does that make sense? It makes all the sense. Uh, because at the end of the day, people are not that interested in, this is going to sound a bit cliche, it, they're, they're not that interested in problems. They're way more interested in, in solutions and especially mm -hmm. solutions, how they can be applied to their mm -hmm. issues, which kind of brings me to, to one of my, my pet peeves. Uh, I, in my opinion, the, the, um, the hero of the story, if you will, on stage should be the audience, not the speaker. It should be the audience that, that everything really is about. And I also kind of like the, um, the idea of uh, structuring a session like a D&D session where you have a, a quest and you have about a, a number of sub-quests as well. And hopefully at the end of the day, you go home with the loot and all your limbs intact. Yeah. The, the thing to remember and what really got me when I started studying storytelling is that you never want to be the hero. Because the hero is inherently weak. The hero is flawed. The hero does not know what they're doing. 
until a transformation takes form, right? So Katniss Everdeen, the hero of the Hunger Games. I love the Hunger Games. It's one of my favorite book series. She, she when she goes into the Hunger Games, she is weak, right? She cannot make friends. She has she cannot murder anybody, right? She is like this little like weak mouse in a world of authority and domination. And it's not until she transforms into the Mockingjay, into a force for social change, that she then becomes strong. And so when you position yourself as the, like, as the hero, even if it's just in a one-hour session, you, you need to know that your audience has been trained, like they've been trained over time. They've seen movie after movie after movie. They've read story after story after story that tells them that the hero is weak right and so so if you present yourself as the guide the yoda the haymitch right the i don't know the um even q from star trek right who is a guide and we can get into that or sarek uh spock's father was also a guide in star trek those characters start strong they do not transform and they end strong that's who you want to be on that stage and your job in a story is to help the hero transform and become powerful. And for my ladies out there, like everybody is the Carrie Bradshaw of their own story, right? Everybody is their own hero. That's a Sex and the City reference for anybody. I, I, I got it. And <laughs> I think it is very, very good. Yeah. Um, extremely yeah. important. And it, yeah. it also ties into the whole thing that we, we all have choices. Not yes. well, everybody has a choice. It might not necessarily be the best choice, but everybody has a choice. And as long as you choose to be you, you be the master of your own your own story, well then you're halfway there. Speaking of halfway there, we're we're whole way there. Are we? Yes, we are entirely out of time. I was just about to go into the entire genesis of the word mentor. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We are not leaving before that. <laughs> Go. I want to hear this. Well, mentor, mentor, the word mentor comes from a like a Greek, um, a Greek myth of the, you know, the half oh shoot. He's like half goat, half human, um, who helped you know, who helped Hercules rise to power and and find his hero-ness you know hercules being like one of the one of the like quintessential heroes of our time and we have taken that word and we have used it in our own language it has become it's just become the the word we use when we're helping someone transform and become the hero they're meant to be and so it's already inside our language and so my advice to you as anybody who is trying to be a leader in their organization, trying to develop their speaking career, trying to become a consultant or business owner is to always play the mentor role, the guide role. Your job is to help your hero, your clients, your students, your colleagues succeed. And that is the best piece of, of professional advice I could give anybody. 
And I think on that note, <laughs> we better end because we can't top that. That, that was mic drop. Very, yes, mic drop for <laughs> sure. Thank you so much for coming on. This was a blast. And um, I agree. I, I love the fact that you are, you're not another super deep technical expert. Um, you, you occupy a niche in this community that is extremely rare, but it is so clear that you're bringing both yourself and your, your wonderful team at Papersword, you're bringing something to the table that the table didn't even know it needed. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Need Even Tech. Need Even Tech is a bi-weekly technology podcast hosted by Alexander Arvidsson, Simon Binder, and Haini Hilmaninen. If you have any feedback, questions, or would like to be part of an episode, please reach out to us on social media or via email at podcast at